to me. Live from the Twin Cities, we are the names you know. This is the names I know. You want me to be that type of dude, and I want to be who you like me to, but we both know I can't do nothing at all. Alright guys, welcome back to another episode, uh, edition of the Dave Zeno Podcast. I believe this is uh, episode 180 in the actual chronological time timeline. We have we have a bunch of other additional extra episodes, but this is episode 180 proper. So that's all. It's over three years, guys. That's a that's a doing it every week. That's a lot of fucking episodes. So uh, congratulations to you guys. Yeah, and to you. And uh, Lord knows if we stick with it long enough, we may finally say something worth listening to. 100%, right? I, I think <laughs> in the spirit of that, Dan, I hope that episode 180 is where you and I turn a 180 and finally start saying something worth listening to. Right. That, or it could be, you know, 180 and you guys listen to me and we keep this thing to an hour or something. Like, as I, as I, <laughs> I, my goal every week is to keep this thing to about an hour. And almost every week I'm thwarted by, by both you guys, but particularly MJ. MJ is the one who normally thwarts me the most. So. <laughs> How about the time that you thwart yourself? I listen, there's been a few, one or two that I've, you know, I've done myself in, but you know, yes. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Um, well, yeah, thanks. We have a uh, regular, the regular crew here, Dan and MJ. Um, you guys have a good week. Yes. I had a great week. I, we did suffer our first correct loss in, in correct outdoor broom ball this past Sunday, but uh, we were playing the best team in the league. So all my other teams won. Cool. Dan. Not a bad week. Yeah, you know, hey, uh, if nothing else, one week closer to a vaccine. So let's uh, just keep checking them off, one foot in front of the other, and we'll get there. Theoretically, yes. Maybe by <laughs> September, we'll all, we'll be vaccinated if uh, right, there's any, as Biden is our savior. Uh, <laughs> so it shall be. All right. <clears throat> um, all right, guys. So, like we always do the Patreon pitch, patreon.com slash Dave's I know. Um, if you're not a member of the Patreon, you should be. Again, as I mentioned last week, uh, we are going to be rolling out some 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 new beers for the 2021 season. They're very cool, I think. Christian and I have spent a little bit of time sort of brainstorming what we want to do, and then we're going to bring in the rest of the of the crew here to sort of figure out exactly the styles that we want to go with for for three separate beers for the Patreon folks this year. So um, pay keep uh, keep your eye out if you are a Patreon member. They want to uh, become a member. Do we get all three beers? There's going to be a way to do it. Um, there'll be an easy way to do it. Just basically giving us a certain amount of dollars a month. There'll be another way to do it. Just making sure you're a member for um, Patreon member for a specific amount of time. But we'll make sure if you want to get these three beers, you'll be, there'll be a way for you to do it. So uh, patreon.com slash the Dave's I know if you are not already a member and want to get involved uh, again, I keep, we keep bringing it up. We need to figure out something with heathout.com, Dan, what are we going to do with <laughs> heathout.com? We got to make sure there's a season. 
honestly, like if, if the, if ownership ends up locking out the players, there's no point in firing Adrian Heath. You can't screw anything up any more than the owners already did. Or we could definitely use it as a, as a tool to help uh, amplify the players association. Maybe so let's, let's brainstorm on that. <clears throat> uh, all right, let's jump in guys. Um, sorry. My, I have, my voice is weird today. Uh, some United news. You don't have a ton of United news. Just a little bit. Uh, we have a little bit of uh, MLS news with the CBA updates. That's pretty much the big part here. And then uh, we do actually, we'll talk a little bit about um, Ford Madison uh, has some stuff, Minneapolis City, as well as <clears throat> U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, the She Believes Cup is coming up here in a couple of weeks. So we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about the U.S. Women's Team. And then we have a couple questions. So um, hopefully a tidy podcast. Uh, but let's get going with the United, the MLS, uh, Minnesota United FC News. Uh, so this was announced today, actually. Jeff Reuter is part of a... Uh, MLS roundup article on the athletic. Sorry guys. I forgot to link it into the, uh, into the notes. Uh, he signed a new deal. Um, he was, so when, he, as a part of the FC Dallas team, he was, he was part of the uh, uh, senior, uh, senior roster spot. Um, apparently he signed a new deal with a loon. So he doesn't have to take up at a senior spot, which is, I don't understand the mechanisms for that. So if Dan, if you do, or if MJ, you do, please enlighten me. But basically what this means is that the loons have an extra uh, seniors roster spot. Um, which obviously ideally they're going to use to sign a striker uh, or a, a more competent left winger. So um, do you guys have any other um, specific thoughts on that or, or ha- know how that was able to, they were able to make that happen? I don't know the how, but MLS roster classifications used to be in three tiers. It's now just two senior and supplemental. Um, they took the reserve, which is I think the third tier off and just added that to the supplemental. So what it means is that he is now considered a supplemental part of the roster, which would typically mean that he is at a lower pay scale. Yeah, I guess it possibly could be out on loan. I'm guessing maybe. Um, that was my my theory was year. that yeah he he's occupying a roster spot that is uh, more more closely related to like a taxi squad player, so they're expecting at some level to loan him out. Cool. Yeah, that's kind of that was the impression I got. So, uh, and then the other sort of big, big piece of actual Minnesota United news uh, on Thursday it was officially announced that Yuka Retala um, will be coming to the Minnesota United as a uh, fullback, uh, mostly uh, left um, left fullback. Although he is able to play both center back and right fullback, so he's depth of basically across the back line. I've heard restrict um, some conflicting reports. I, some people that I trust who actually think he is probably going to start. He probably will get some starts. Um, and then in a conversation, a uh, Twitter conversation, I had um, one of uh, uh, Colin Solberg, who um, people know from this podcast. I don't know he's actually been on, but he, where we reference him a lot. He actually kind of sort of gamed out how many, if Minnesota, if Minnesota United plays, a full season plays the FA cup and play, or sorry, that not, not the FA cup, the US <laughs> open cup and plays in the, the, uh, the Liga MX MOS cup that they're a part of this year. Minnesota will probably have up to 40 games this year. And based on the number of starts for left back, fullback, there's going to be an opportunity for uh, Ratala, um, even if he isn't the starter to get good, solid 25 to 30 games, either especially since he can play sort of across the entire back line so i know dan you were you were not high on him as a potential starter i think he's going to get some starts i don't think he sort of unseats chase gasper um but you have any specific thoughts on on uh, this signing yeah i mean i think forecasting too much about who's going to start where and how many starts is a little bit of a fool's errand because so much depends on Ike Opara, right so if ike comes yeah. back at 100 percent 
you could conceivably construct a scenario in which you had Opara and Boxel as the center backs push Debasi to the left, keep Matt Nair on the right. Or if he doesn't, then you're back to Gasper on the left, Boxy and Debasi being your center backs, Matt Nair on the right. Um, but yeah, I think Colin's point is extremely well taken, which is uh, with players moving in and out, um, there's just a, there's a lot of uncertainty about how many players the loons are going to need. And that won't clarify even until uh, Olympic qualifying is over because Hassani Dotson will almost certainly make the Olympic squad uh, just out of sheer versatility. So if the U.S. doesn't qualify for the Olympics, which they haven't recently, then you've got him. He can slot and he can fill in a bunch of needs. If all of a sudden he's gone, now you've got to be a little bit more prescriptive about, okay, do we have a cover at right back and left back? Do we have our six? I mean, the six is going to be Will Trapp. What are you doing with Ozzy Alonso? So right now, I, I think as much as we've talked about this team really having discrete needs to fill at left wing and striker, which I'm not going to dispute at all, there's a lot of uncertainty with exactly how much more roster building needs to happen here. Uh, I think the yeah. Loons need to add two starters, but beyond that, how much squad depth do you need? And, and maybe that's why someone like Colin Montgomery would be willing to take a non-senior slot. Because if the Loons are saying, hey, like we need we need you to take this for the team, but if you play ball with us, we're going to find you starts because, or we're going to really find you minutes because that's how this season is going to unfold. Whereas right. in a normal season, he may want to play he may, he may want to keep his old contract because it increases the likelihood that they're like, uh, screw it, play this guy because he's already taking a roster slot. Right. And uh, yeah, I also point out um, Ratala is a, a Finnish international. He plays in the Finnish uh, team with um, uh, Robin Lude. So we'll be going away to, if assuming Euros uh, 2021 happened this year, uh, we'll be uh, gone for that. And we don't, we're not going to have our Chase Gasper fight on this particular podcast, Dan, but we're going to have our Chase Gasper fight at some point <laughs> here very soon uh, in terms of the, his U.S. men's national team abilities. The, I'll say one thing, the, so the Minnesota in this trade, they traded the rights to their uh, 2020 super draft pick, fourth round super draft pick, uh, Andrew Booth to club uh, de foot Montreal, uh, I think, and some money, um, uh, as additional well. 50,000 yeah in 50k so uh, mj what are your what are your thoughts on this move in terms of i know we, you were you were the sort of like hey um these moves don't happen in the right order that we want them in last week do you have any anything to expound upon beyond that that was very that was very valuable and very uh insightful uh feedback for us last week as dan and i were both pillorying this move so <laughs> yeah you know i could go on the things that i would like to buy to better my life but you know i can't put them always in I can't acquire them always in the order of, of most need or most desired you know it's what you can afford and what's out there um that I can see on you know Craigslist or Facebook marketplace what have you so it when you're piecing together a team it's kind of like piecing together a bike or, or a computer or something like that and you just whatever you can find at the right time you, you grab right so I think uh you could write will be a great addition as a depth piece the big questions for me is that one will Heath, with all the competitions we're in and assuming they all go on will Heath rotate the squad properly and give other people chances at left back whether that's the bossy whether that's uh right is sam gleedle still on the on the roster he is yes yeah so he retweeted a, the, the uh, dark clouds post uh on the let them play hashtag or let them play 2021 hashtag uh, today so he is still on the roster he is technically a, le a left fullback. Will he use these pieces and 
whether as substitutes or as different starts and different competitions in a way that will allow us to compete deeper and longer into the season and into competitions or not. And then two, and this is more of an MGNON point, is that, you know, on the MGNON slot, we discovered that according to transfer market, he's both left and right footed or doesn't favor a foot. So right to is considered ambipedal. Being ambipedal, right now there's bets going on on, you know, is he going to have more shitty crosses from his left foot or from his right? Foot? What uh, what black market is that betting happen? And how do I get there? <laughs> is like, that's the questions I'll I have. I'll give you access to the MG and on Slack. Uh, it's, it's yeah, I don't I don't know if I want that, but uh, if I if I need to get that to get to my black market gambling um, prop bets, I I think I you might have to to give me the the password to that. So but bets um, are only accepted in, in AMC stock and Dogecoin. <laughs> Yeah, we ran out of GameStop stock uh, on our last. That that fucking story is bonkers, man. I just don't, I I keep following it, and uh, the more I learn about it, the more I'm just like, who? What the fuck is going on? I just don't. I don't. Precise reason why the the stock market is not a great proxy for uh, actual uh, financial health in in the United States. So you know, whatever. If you don't know what I'm talking about, the game stunks. Uh, then uh, yeah. Um, apparently Netflix is making a movie about it already. So. There's that. Saw that today. Uh, one interesting uh, right, thing with Raitala. <laughs> yeah. We're getting getting back on topic. Let's let's yeah. So let's let me bring this train back onto the tracks uh, uh, with our last little bit of uh, Minnesota United news. It's tangentially Minnesota United related. Caden Clark. So we we talked about last week that Caden Clark had basically secured a transfer to RB Leipzig. Um, he's going to play in the U.S. obviously through this year until next January, and uh, he can't officially go to Leipzig until he turns 18 because he's not, he doesn't have a uh, EU passport. Um, <clears throat> so I think originally the, the plan before COVID was he, he was working this deal out when he joined the uh, rebels Two. basically he was going to, he was going to completely bypass the MLS team and just go straight from rebels Two to RB Leipzig this summer after he turned 18. I think he turns 18 in May, but he, he was so good with RB2 that the Rebels had to had to pull the trigger on bringing him into the team. Um, they didn't want to leave him down in the USL for, you know, for 18 months, basically. And which triggered hot, why Red Bulls had to spend $75,000 in, in allocation money for, to Minnesota, even though Minnesota never had a, a youth team um, at his level while he was coming up through the, the youth ranks. Uh, this is actually from Matt Doyle. Um, so, so Rebels paid $75,000 in GAM to, to sign Clark, which we kind of all talked about at the time. But apparently, that number could rise up to $275,000, uh, depending on various clauses, um, which could potentially mean things like, you know, signing with Leipzig um, and or, you know, certain achievements that he does in the, um, in the Bundesliga. So, that $75,000 could actually rise up a couple hundred thousand dollars more in allocation money uh, based on based on this move, which is we don't know the actual clauses, but that's an interesting point that was not brought up when the when this transfer um, and this uh, uh, signing was announced for Red Bulls and with Minnesota last year. So I thought that was very interesting. So loons could get more money? Yes. Yeah. Woohoo! Yeah. Yeah. Functionally, it's a sell on fee, uh, which we see pretty commonly out of academy teams, particularly in Europe. Yeah. Uh, More Garber buck. Yeah, exactly. Who knows at the time that this would be paid, who knows what it's actually worth? I right. mean, the funny thing is, is like there's a de facto internal economy. So this could be worth 
absolutely nothing if MLS decides to flood the market with GAM for some reason, or it could be worth a lot. So right. not only is it dependent on how Caden Clark does in in uh, Germany and Austria, which you know, more power to him, but uh, it also depends on what the owners decide to do. And as we'll touch on here in a bit, they're a bunch of dumbasses sometimes. <laughs> I feel right. like I hell put a uh, Garber Bucks to uh, – a Bitcoin analogy on heatout.com. I mean, you could, but I don't, the analogy is going to be really strained. And, uh, but you love my strained analogies. I do not love your strained analogies. <laughs> As a matter of fact, uh, once you do the better know a loon segment, MJ, and then we'll jump into the, the actual, uh, MOS CBA news. So tell us a little bit more about Kelly Montgomery. Well, so last week we dug into the three, signings from the super draft and we do have another young prospect that we signed from fc dallas cal montgomery 23 years old 6'3 185 pounds born in nanaimo in british columbia grew up in lanceville and went to boarding school at saint michael's in victoria geography pop quiz what do nanaimo Lanceville and Victoria all have in common. They are all on Vancouver Island. Um, so he grew up on the, on Vancouver Island, uh, spent most of his time there, even pop, played. Pop, pop quiz, Dan. What uh, what coast of Canada is Vancouver on? <laughs> Atlanta? It's the Pacific. <laughs> Ding, 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 ding. Not for, uh, not for podcast. The story is too long, but I have a hilarious story about... Uh, a friend almost getting arrested at the Vancouver Vancouver border crossing for a number of murders he didn't commit. Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is not forgot a dime bag that in his suitcase or anything like that. This was like, hey, uh, we just solved a, a decade-old crime. And Turbo's like, no, you didn't. I promise well, you, you didn't. Tom Montgomery has crossed the border numerous times because he went to school at uh, University of North Carolina, Charlotte. And so, to my knowledge, he has not been arrested or stopped at border crossing at all. I have a number of great border crossing stories because my parents had a cabin in Canada for years. Um, anyway, while in college, he was awarded first team All-America and also Conference USA Defender of the Year in 2018. When he went home for the summer, he played for the Victoria Highlanders in USL League Two. And eventually in 2018, spent a summer at North Texas SC at USL League One, and possibly it was at North Texas SC that he caught the eye of some scouts from a team that we know as FC. FC Dallas selected Montgomery in the fourth overall pick of the Super Draft, then loaned him to San Antonio FC, where he met one goalkeeper named Dane St. Clair. And then on December 13th of this previous year, Minnesota acquired him for a 2022 fourth round super draft pick and conditional 50,000 uh, in GAM. More Garber Bucks that they're giving away to FC Dallas. He was also named to the Provisional Olympic qualifying roster with, again, one Minnesota United Dane Sinclair. All right. Well, looking forward to maybe cheering him on this year. Um, one interesting. Out somewhere. Yeah. One interesting parallel here to. Another Loons player is uh, Ja'Cory Hayes. Ja'Cory Hayes was Dallas's first round pick in 2017. Uh, kicked around, kind of didn't really fit in with a squad, and then found his way to Minnesota and, and played pretty well last year. Um, 
maybe not fodder for this podcast, but one for still the offseason. Uh, Bruce McGuire and I were talking on Twitter, and Bruce thinks uh, Ja'Cory Hayes is a better long-term future than Hassani Dotson, which is high praise. Uh, interesting to me that you have – Dallas's academy is so strong, and that was underscored over the last like 24 hours with Jesus Ferreira getting a hat trick of assists and two goals against her, uh, TNT, and then Brian Reynolds getting sold to AS Roma – while Weston McKinney's killing it, Juventus, yada, yada, yada. So it's interesting to me that these two college draft picks kind of never got, I don't want to say didn't get a fair shake in Dallas, but didn't really ever break into the squad. But Dallas didn't really need them to because they had the academy. So I'm not saying, oh, this is an amazing find. Montgomery is going to be a MLS best 11, whatever. But I do think Minnesota has identified the fact that maybe collegiate players in Dallas's system don't quite get the same level of, well, we'll let you blood in, we'll let you sort of learn through mistakes that their academy players do, and they're seeing that as a potential source of value. Yeah, well, I think there's, I think this um, really highlights that Minnesota values the draft in ways that most teams don't. Specifically, and why would that be? Definitely Dallas. Well, uh, there's the obvious reason we don't have a fucking academy. <laughs> so it's hard to, you know, bring kids in when you don't have any kids to fucking bring in. Um, but, but no USL you know, affiliate either. But I think there. I don't think. I don't think that's a, a. I don't think it's a wrong idea and tactic to have. I think it just it can't be your only tactic and idea, right? That you can. There seems like Philadelphia who just punt on the draft every year, right? I don't think. When's the last time Philadelphia fucking took a player in the draft? Like Ernst just sells all of his picks every year because they don't. They just don't believe in the draft. They have their academy system. You know, I think Dallas is is not is an extreme of an example, but they. I think they pick talented players and they basically, I think maybe Dan, what you kind of said, I don't think it's terribly wrong. I think they give them, they give them a little bit of a shot, but if they're not going to get, if they don't see immediate impact, they have young kids that they're not paying any money to that they can bring in. And they, you know, if they do well, they they can make a shit ton of money on them versus the, the college kids. So I think, I think there's, you know, clearly Minnesota values the draft a hell of a lot more, probably maybe more than any other team in MLS. Um, if not, they're top three um, in terms of valuing the, the collegiate draft. So they're also arguably better at it than almost any other team. I mean, yeah. imagine, imagine that the loons hadn't got enamored of Ambuda and Lottie and taken Jeremy Abobasi, taken Jackson Neal. Now look at their entire draft history. And you have a team that has gone to the first round and consistently found starting value in a way that almost no other team has. So it's, I, I don't think this is a wrong strategy to pursue at all. I just think it needs yeah. to to dovetail with an academy strategy, which the league agrees with. I mean, that's why they're being forced into the new MLS Reserves League, the MLS Academy Leagues, because I think particularly 2020, 2021, we're sort of seeing why MLS is so interested in that academy setup. I mean, today alone, you had Daryl DK move to Barnsley. You had... Uh, Paul Ariola, who's not really an academy prospect, would go with me. Uh, to Swansea, you had uh, so many other guys. This window, Brian Reynolds, the aforementioned, uh, moving on and bringing huge amounts of value back. Yeah. All right. Let's jump into the MLS side here. the The CBA update. So um, last we left, uh, Dan was accusing me of the players not having put together a proposal. A kind of proposal. They had definitely done that. MLS countered their proposal with basically saying, fuck you, we're doing no, and just basically saying the exact same thing. Uh, and then Thursday night, so this was literally a day before um, the force majeure deadline. The, the imposed deadline that MLS had put on would, was going to expire. 
Uh, MLS put out the Players Association put out a counter proposal. It was basically the the union, uh, and this is something that basically that a lot of the things that me and Dan kind of argued over, and, and what we kind of thought where the the agreement would be. This is kind of what the what the, the Players Association put out. It's basically extending the uh, agreement for one more year. Uh, so this current uh, agreement extended it through 2025. So it extended to the 2026 season. Um, players made some other concessions include uh, decreased annual salary budgets, um, which they hadn't made public before um, sharing. And it's something that they hadn't made public before sharing, uh, decreasing their share of the media rights uh, so that goes to the players starting in the 2024 season based on this current CBA. Um, and a couple other things, they basically claimed they were going to concede about $50 million throughout the life of this deal. In addition to the money that they'd already given back to the owners, uh, last year with salary reductions and the, the additional year on the CBA. Um, they also, as part of their sort of giving those concessions, uh, proposed easing free agency qualifications in 2025 and 2026 to include players 23 and over uh, with at least four years of MLS experience. Currently, players have to be 24 and have five years of MLS experience to qualify as free agents in the league. So that was the proposal that the Players Association, more or less the proposal that the Players Association brought back uh, to the owners. Um, the owners basically said, fuck you. Uh, but they did extend their artificial deadline to this coming Friday um, from last Friday night to continue conversations. And I haven't seen much of anything about a counter proposal from the owners since then. And um, guys, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong. Um, but based on that, and before we jump into the lockout conversations and stuff, what do you guys think about the about this about this proposal from the players? Um, I mean, obviously, I think for all of us, this seems way more than fair, um, considering that they shouldn't even the players shouldn't even be in this position. Um, but do you think this is uh, close enough or good enough to get us close to a deal? Um, yeah, what's uh, what's your thoughts, um, Dan? Do you want to go first? Yeah, sure. I I flat out don't get what the owners are doing here. I mean, there's there's penny wise and pound foolish, and we've certainly seen plenty of examples of that. This is penny wise, pound foolish, a billion pounds, absolutely borderline fucking brain dead. I mean, this is awful. This is absolutely just the most batshit insane proposal. Like what? <laughs> The calculus that seems to be completely off here is what the player's other options are. And if you read Michael McCann's work on the subject, he points out that because the owners did uh, invoke the force majeure clause, theoretically speaking, the union, the players union could dissolve as a response. Uh, That is a a card in the player's deck is is, uh, dissolving the union. At that point, none of these players have valid contracts anymore, meaning all of these players can go elsewhere. And that's a little bit oversimplifying it. But look, if this is the NBA, they can legitimately look at the players and say, look, you want to go play in Spain? You want to go play in Australia? Go for it. You'll put you for pennies on the dollar. You'll play for smaller crowds. If you, But if that's the tact you want to take, go for it. MLS doesn't have that leverage. These players thing, could do that. One, one thing I'll, I'll just – I know you're – kind of know where you're going. I just want to throw you in there. I don't think they could sign with any um, leagues – like in Europe or anything right now, because the now the uh, um, transfer window is closed. But there are any place there is a transfer window that's still open. So I think a lot of places in South America they could still sign for um, as free agents. Right, and yes. so there's so there's they did 
by extending the de- by extending the deadline and not allowing the players union to dissolve, they did take away a little bit of that leverage. Not all of it, just a little bit of it, though. Right, because most of these guys are more likely to go play in South America, Central America. I I'm not even going to guess at the Australian window. Um, but like, look, there are leagues all over the world, and some of them play on the FIFA calendar, and some of them don't. And I mean, these guys could go play in, in Saudi Arabia. We're seeing players start to play there more frequently. Um, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. China used to have a, a high investment league, but now doesn't anymore. So it's a little strange, but that might be an option. You're also talking about like, if all of a sudden every MLS player is available, at least on, on, at some level of theory, are you telling me that there aren't leagues that wouldn't look at each other and go, fuck it, we're throwing the window open. Like, if you guys want to grab an MLS player, have at it. There are absolutely leagues that are going to do that. These players are going to have that option. And, like, soccer has come so far in the U.S. And I understand that the numbers are still pretty close to the NHL. They're not touching, you know, NFL, NBA numbers. And that's fine. But some of these owners have put in 5, 10, 15 years of pretty poor investment returns. And these are investments to get to this point where all of a sudden you're looking at the, the renegotiations after the 2024 uh, world cup or 2020, 2024 world cup, sorry. Um, like, and, and no, it is 26, the 26 world cup. Uh, you're really starting to get to the point where these teams can be worth billions of dollars, like the other American sports counterparts. And all they're going to do is decrease the value of the brand with this. If they lock the players out and we're not seeing games in April, May, June, that's the thing is that like we're talking about the the owners having a little bit more leverage now. As soon as the, the clock starts on missed games, they've got about two months to get a deal done because the June window opens and players aren't going to come back. That's when like so so the owners may have leverage now, but that is a very, very narrow window for something to get done. So this is just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. It reminds me of the NHL lockouts we saw late 90s, early 2000s, where it's like every time the NHL started to get brand and started to get momentum and really started to bring in a new audience, they were like, screw it. We're not playing games this year. Up yours fans and up yours players. And they're still paying for that. I mean, you look at how far ahead of the NHL, the NBA is. And those two used to be really close in terms of yeah. franchise valuations and in terms of TV ratings and revenue, et cetera. And now they're not close at all. And it's because the NBA finally figured out, hey, in order to save a couple million dollars, we're going to cost ourselves a billion dollars, not even over the long run, over like five years. So I just, I am, I am beside myself with not just how poor the negotiating tactics of the owners have been, because that's frustrating, but maybe it's a strategy. They have no strategy here. And to the so their actions are the only thing we can judge them by, and their actions are just piss poor. End sermon. <laughs> <laughs> MJ? I just think that to build on that, the free agency age limit is a long contract. Like the fact that it stayed as high as it, it was 25 years old, I think at one point, you know, the, now it's down to 24, they're looking to, to bring it down to 23 years old to be considered free agent that that's been a long time coming and i don't think that's a, a big thing for for owners to concede also i the players looking at reducing the amount of revenue sharing from the media and uh reducing the salary cap every year from 2022 to 2025 those are huge concessions and, and i don't doubt that they they amount to around you know 50 some 53 million 50 million that seems more than an olive branch to me 
So I'm with Dan. What are the owners doing here? Yeah, the uh, players have made huge concessions already. Just, I mean, look if you look at the numbers and look at the things, the, I was reading the, the actual, the revenue sharing that they are, they are proposing to, to reduce goes from 25% of any new media rights deal um, in 2023 to 12 and a half percent. That's, a, that's a, and, and a, that's will extend through the, I think through the rest of the deal. Um, that's a huge number, especially considering the league is going to be doing a, a new television contract here in 2022. Players aren't going to get any of that money. They'll be looking at, you know, um, getting that money. And I'm sure MLS is going to be trying to get as much of that money on the front end of that deal as they possibly can before, even before any, any of this stuff happened. Um, Cause this is when they were going to start kicking in uh, uh, media deal money to the players. And then that media deal will probably only be for four years and go right up to the 2026 world cup where, Hopefully MLS, you know, U.S. is making a, a big run in the World Cup. Um, it's going to make, theoretically, make MLS's rights even more crazy expensive. And so the, the players are going to have to be, so the players are sort of like, they're, they're, they're kneecapping themselves at this point to bargain at. So they're going to be hoping to get more than that 12.5% in the next deal, whenever that next deal is, instead of bargaining from the 25%, which is where they are, you know, the the most pre, the most recent deal is what they had agreed to. So they're... If anybody has like of the two players in this, you know, in this game, the, the players that are the ones who have come further to the middle, and I would argue, you know, across where they probably should be, it sounds like the the owners were supposed to said they were going to uh, submit an offer to the MLSPA by Saturday, but it kind of, as of right now, league hasn't moved at all from its original position. Their only change that just looking at an ESPN article right now is an increase in the salary cap. By two and a half percent between 2026 and 2027, which is cool. Uh, the other argument that that we I don't think we really talked about too much is that you know the players are arguing that they understand that there's losses. A lot of the discretionary funding, the discretionary money that the player that the teams are spending, they don't have to spend, right? All these DP deals and TAM deals. That's all money that the, the owners do not have to spend if they don't want to. They're choosing to spend that money and they're choosing to spend the money for, for reasons. And, and the players, I think, know this, right? But they don't have to spend, you know, millions of dollars on bringing players in who are, you know, don't fit into the salary cap. If they, if they're trying to, if they're, if they are really trying to save money, that is the one tactic that they could do to save money. Now, again, it's a, it's a little bit of a facetious argument, but it's also an argument that, you know, they can certainly can make as well. There's, Plenty of American soccer players in the world, um, or in the U.S., I guess, not necessarily in the world, <laughs> that you could fill a league with entirely Americans if you wanted to, and it wouldn't be a super great league, but it wouldn't be the worst league in the world. So, so, so let's talk very. So, before MLS, the MLSPA sent out their revised counter proposal or counter counter proposal, uh, MLS sent a memo to the clubs to all the clubs to prepare for a lockout. Uh, as part of this memo, the league did say that even if there is a lockout. They're going to continue to pay healthcare premiums for, uh, for all the MLS players and stuff. Which is, I mean, one kudos to Don Grab, Dan Grabber, and MLS front office folks for, you know, agreeing to pay premiums during the middle of a goddamn fucking pandemic. But, you know, I guess give them their their little bit of uh, kudos there. Um, but this is the strongest sign yet that uh, the team, the the league is actually preparing to lock out players. There's not been so. 
There's never been a work stoppage in MLS in their 26 year history. Um, they did lock out the referees, I believe in 2014 or 2015, whatever. There's one year there where they lock out the referees, uh, but they've never actually locked out the players. So what are your guys' thoughts on, on this memo? Obviously you want to prepare your teams to do the thing that you want them to do. But yeah, I guess what's the, what are your guys' thoughts on, on the, the memo for the lockout seems really early to be reading too much into it other than just prepare for the worst. And uh, that's all I read into it. I don't, I don't see this as a, as a doomsday sort of, uh, you know, foreshadowing of that they will screw over the players so badly that they're going to, you know, lock them out. Dan. Yeah. I, I'm really torn on this. We've seen MLS do quite a bit of uh, negotiating in public. I mean, the, the ownership counter proposal that they're uh, the statement from Don Garber that they put out on Twitter and the players union hadn't even seen it. So they're clearly capable of negotiating through the media, negotiating in public, which is a change of pace from the last CBA negotiations and one I really don't like. Um, it, it smacks of a power play, but I don't think that they have enough power to pull it off. So it's just it's you really wonder who's driving this because it's. Their tactical change from the last CBA negotiation has been universally negative. Um, I tend to agree with MJ here that this is this is mostly a yeah you know heads up. This is theoretically possible. We want contingencies in place, but my opinion is this is mostly a flex uh, that that they're trying to to intimate to the players. Yeah, we're we're really serious this time. We we will lock you out, but we'll still we'll still pay your health premium uh, and. And I will say this, David, I think this is less of a concession than you do because the worst case scenario for the ownership is you're not paying someone's health insurance. So they don't go get treatment for something. All of a sudden the season starts up again and you've got a player that has an infection, has a muscle strain that never got treated, has, and now you're paying for a completely, and this is extremely uh, commoditized, but I'll say it anyway, you're paying for an unproductive asset at that point. I, I was being pretty facetious when I, um, if I, if my, uh, or in sarcastic as my, if my sarcasm uh, didn't drip through the microphone there. Uh, yeah, of course you're gonna pay it to make sure that they're fucking taking care of themselves. Um, yeah, yeah, you're right. In in strictly, you know, capitalistic terms, these are your assets. These are your 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 things that you have to make money off of. And uh, of course they're gonna, you know, do everything they can. Although I don't think every, I don't think that's been necessarily the case with with every lockout that's ha- happened in uh, in pro sports history that they've you know continued to pay healthcare healthcare premiums. However, most of those leagues players are making a little bit more money than, than MLS generally the, the average MLS player is uh, in this year as you know, even in 2021. So, uh, so I think guys, I, I'm a little, sorry, go ahead, MJ. My, my one fear about this whole lockout thing in, cause I said, I don't read too much into it is are the owners in, you know, sending this to the clubs and what have you, is it their way of telling the clubs and their way of telling the fans, basically, we're going to prey on your fears of not having another season. Last year, the season, we had it, but you couldn't go because of COVID. Like, we're going to prey on your fears that your love of this game, of this wonderful game, is, is not going to happen in your backyard and thus get you to be kind of anti-player. And that yes. would be my- that would be my only concern is oh. going on that tactic of, like Dan said, you know, doing this out in the public and trying to turn into a marketing spiel. 
I hundred percent. That is a hundred percent what's happening. Yeah, it's exactly what they're doing. And and to yeah, to Dan's point, the the um leaking of uh of this memo, the which is funny because remember when they were doing the CBA negotiations last year, and Dan, uh, Dan Grabber was yelling at people for leaking shit to the Athletic. You guys remember <laughs> when all that was happening? Um, uh, yeah. But, but his letter. His letter to the fans that went to everybody's inbox that MLSsoccer.com uh, has uh, this particular memo going out and, and getting leaked the the rollout of the of the schedule of the February twenty second being the day for spring for training to start all that this is all a very coordinated media plan to get fans behind the owners and against the players which is a really great tra- transition to the. Uh, hashtag let them play 2021 which uh, was in coordination with the players association and the internet independent supporters council which uh, is a organization that represents uh, supporters groups across uh, u.s soccer so not just mls but mls usl nwsl um, npsl actually there's you know the npsl sgs that are part of the independent soccer council uh, independent supporters council sorry <clears throat> so they put together a, uh, a hashtag Again, hashtag let them play 2021. Uh, and then a, bunch, a, a lot of SGs across the country, uh, MLS uh, SGs, including here in Minnesota, the Red Loons and the Dark Clouds, put out letters um, stating, you know, stating their support of the Players Association and the players, talking about why it was important for the players to play, um, You know, sort of highlighting some of, the, uh, some of the things that we've talked about, the concessions that the players have already had to make. Um, both monetarily, but also physically and having to play in a, in a league last year where COVID kind of was rampantly running around the league in certain, certain <laughs> circumstances as well. So wait, 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 all, wait, games were canceled. Wait. Yeah. All those. So all those concessions, you know, like I said, both monetarily and health and health wise and each SG wrote their own letter. I mean, I think there's a lot of um, there's some coordination and sort of, you know, the same similar sort of talking points, but everybody sort of had their own sort of take on, on the thing. And why it was important, um, you know, I was I helped write the Red Loons letter, and and uh, also a member of the Dark Cloud, so uh, definitely was supportive of their letter as well. Um, TNE came out and and had a, a tweet of support for the thing, so it is. I think there's, uh, I think the MLS probably underestimates the actual support that the players and the players associations have, particularly in relation to other sports and the fans. I think other sports, um, I'm thinking of like baseball and football and basketball. I think players, I think fans, just general fans tend to side more with the owners in a player owner dispute. But the, the problem with MLS is that fans are highly organized, highly engaged. And I, I, I think they're, I think they're sort of underestimating or they underestimated the support that they would have from fans. If they say, Hey, we're not going to have games. I think a lot of, I think there's, I think there, there's a, a, a Again, most is making a, a severe mistake here when they think that they're they can win this public relations battle with the with the players in terms of uh, the the player the fan support. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just I'm seeing rose colored glasses and my my pink Okami glasses are on, and I'm and I'm totally wrong. But I tend to <laughs> I tend to not I tend to I tend to not believe that. So yeah, I think the big difference is what the diehard fans are about. Um, I think in other sports, which again, this is not to say that diehard. NFL fans don't care about the players, but they're definitely team diehards and those brands are really strong. And that's not necessarily quite as true of soccer. I wonder too, how much uh, the general 
oh, let's say liquidity of the American soccer scene, how, how much that plays into it. I mean, we've all been fans of the Stars and the Thunder and Minnesota United minor league soccer and now Minnesota United MLS. Atlanta had silverbacks before they had Minnesota United. And, you know, we root for the soccer team that's here, but there isn't quite the same brand brand identification there's a good term for this and i'm not quite finding it but like there's i think you'd be hard pressed to find a lot of atlanta united fans who are silverbacks fans by the way but that's just that's just me but but it kind of it kind of speaks to your point right it's like if there's a if there's a thing in town and the thing is cool people will gear towards it and and go towards it if the thing just disappears and i think minnesota United probably has a little bit of a similar problem yes there are there's a lot of diehards i think maybe we have more than a lot of places but i think it's just that like it's mostly diehards and if they don't do well, I think that's kind of the reason why Minnesota is so focused on, you know, not focused on youth at all because they know they need to do well because they need to build um, some cred here in the, in the market. Yeah. And they need to build up the fan base of people who aren't ride or die for Miguel Ibarra, who aren't, completely who who would never compare a defender to Vladimir Demidov because they flat out don't know who that is uh you know it, like I I keep picturing the legion of shitty Vikings fans on Twitter and their avatar is just the Vikings logo like they clearly super identify themselves by their relation to the team and so once you hit that level of identification, there's no way that that person is going to say, wow, like you guys treated X, Y player or all the players super badly. I'm actually not going to support you because of that. Like once you're at that stage, that ship sailed. That's what MLS is hoping for. It does not yeah. exist yet. They have, they don't have that kind of brand equity. There, there's a lot of, yeah, mostly yeah, you're Vikings, but there's a lot of twins fans who are same who are you know who oh, are for sure. very very much the same just like they're not as like maybe assholeish about it as as the vikings fans are but yes i think your 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 point is is correct so all people who still have north stars logos instead of wild listen man like... i'm a fucking north stars fan i i don't <laughs> fuck the wild so <laughs> sorry mj well i was gonna say but uh, fuck fuck norm green but th- forever forever but MLS does not have the player salaries that other leagues have. And we've talked about this before. When there are collective bargaining disputes and player owner disputes in other sports, one of the things you hear the capitalists say or the pro owner fans say is, I can't believe the, the millionaire players are being so self. You cannot say that about MLS. And we've made this point point in previous weeks. The player, the, I don't know what the average salary is, but there are a lot of players that, make six six figures and i think there are some that only make five so um you can't say that these players are 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 millionaires and some of them aren't even close to millionaires the owners on the other hand might not be you know billionaires or might not be in that same category that an nfl owner would be but certainly you can't say that oh these players are being selfish they could live on what they made last year for the rest of their life you know that the players aren't in that situation so I think that also drives some fan empathy towards the players. Yeah. And the final point here is I think, I think it was Pablo Maurer pointed it out and it came if it was an athletic article or if it was a tweet, but basically he said that the 10, so 10 owners are like on the Forbes, like top 20, you know, billionaires <laughs> list or whatever. And, and six of those 10 owners have made money during the pandemic like their value has actually increased and their value has actually increased by more 
than the billion dollars that the league says they lost in 2021 due to COVID. So six uh, of the 10 owners, so six of the, what, the 30, 27 or 26 owners of MLS franchises could cover the losses of the, the theoretical losses of the entire league um, just from one year of COVID uh, amidst COVID um, finances and stuff. So it's just, it's, it's an insane argument that, that the, the owners need as much as they're, they're asking. And the fact that the, the players have come um, as, as far as they have is, you know, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me that there's a, like, I guess let's, let's finish with this. What are your predictions on a lockout? Like, a, is it going to happen? Uh, and B, how long uh, are the players locked out for? So, Dan, you want to start? Oh, I was hoping you were going to go to MJ first. Uh, I can think about that. Eric, I'll gonna, go first. No, no, MJ, MJ, go okay. first. There, there's not going to be a lockout. By this Friday, there'll be a deal. Or there's not going to be a deal. There'll be another extension. And maybe we don't we start, start, start preseason in February or something like that. But, like, the, the regular season will happen. And barring COVID restrictions or COVID outbreaks, the regular season will start on the day that MLS had predicted it will. So you think we have a deal by the 22nd season starts on April 3rd. That's the, that's what, that's yeah. your, that's what yep. you're saying. Okay. Yes. That is what I'm All saying. Right. Dan, I'm going to say, I'm going to agree with MJ that there's no lockout. Uh, if however, there is a lockout. So I'm not predicting that, but I'm just saying if I'm wrong on that first bit, there is no season. The players stay locked out for a full year and there's no deal. Uh, the one X factor about this that we haven't touched on in any of our discussions is uh, actually combining another point, which is you all know that this fixture list for this year is incredibly clogged with international tournaments. Think about a player like a Jan Gregush who, who's going to go to the Euros. He needs to be fit. Actually, Robin Lute is probably even a better example, who's a little fringy on his national team. He needs to be getting game minutes or he's going to be left off that roster. And I think that ends up being an X factor for a lot of these guys. That's that's actually yeah. We I think we've kind of alluded to it a little bit, but yeah, that's, that's there's a lot of international tournaments this weekend this year because of uh, COVID stuff. So it's it's a packed summer schedule. So I I'll say I, t- I think I tend to agree with you guys. I think I, I, I don't think there's going to be a deal until probably right before spring training or spring training or whatever the the training the six weeks training schedule is supposed to start. So I think I don't think they make a deal soon. I think they they come down to the wire. I think. MLS keeps extending the deadline because they definitely do not want a to have to lock out the players. And I think the deal, um, I think ultimately the deal is looks a lot closer to what the players' association offer is than it does what the owners are trying to trying to pull. So um, I, the players can wait this out. You know, as Dan alluded to, like if they lock them out, they basically they really only need to wait a couple months before they're totally free agents and can take advantage of a of a wide open market. So, um, but yes, I agree. I think. Uh, there's a deal gets done. I think it's gonna be a lot later than, than this Friday though. So, uh, all right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we will talk about a couple of lower league teams and then we'll talk about the highest league, which is the U S wins national team. So take a break. We'll be right back. You want me to be that type of dude. And I want to be who you like me to, but we both, All right, and we're back. We're talking a little bit about uh, our friends in Madison, uh, Ford, Ford Madison. I was actually just down in Madison uh, over the weekend visiting my in-laws in Madison, probably for the last time, as uh, uh, 
my father-in-law will be retiring and, and mother-in-law will be retiring soon. I think they're probably going to buy something up here in, in St. Paul. So, uh, and Anna uh, being pregnant, we're probably not driving down to, to Madison anytime soon again in the next few months. So, um, you know, at least we'll, we'll be back to Madison to visit Ford Madison themselves. But uh, I picked up my drip, uh, my drip kit hoodie, the zip hoodie, which is fucking fantastic. It's a gorgeous, nice hoodie. If you, if you uh, have an opportunity to buy it, I would, Highly recommend giving them your money. But we do have a little bit of notes about Ford Madison. Josh Trimmingham is a Ford Madison player, actually a TNT player. We alluded to the TNT game a little bit. Uh, U.S. men's national team kicked the shit out of TNT last night, 7 to nothing. Uh, Trimmingham got the start as the left back for the TNT team. It was a, uh, a Trinidad and Tobago team that did not have Kevin Molino, did not have some of their better players. It was probably, it was, could best be qualified probably as a U23 Trinidad and Tobago team. Um, hence the seven to nothing beatdown by the U.S., uh, which was a heavily U23 team as well. Um, but he played. Uh, unfortunately, he ended up getting a concussion and a knock to the knee, which is not great for the Madison kid. Uh, otherwise, we they have so M- Mad- Madison has a has a cow thing. And uh, MJ, tell us about the cow. There's a new baby baby cow. It was born January fifth of this year so very new baby cow there was a name competition and rose cowbell won over what i think was the better name conca cap <laughs> um by 893 votes and conca cap only got 700 votes come on madison what the fuck wrong with you people we we did not do our part to advocate for conca calf C-A-L-F, if you if you guys if you are listening this is a this is an audio medium not a visual medium so conca <laughs> Uh, ALF uh, for the for the, the end there. So it, it was robbed. Concacaf was robbed. I, I will I will give you that. So now it it was not. Rose Calbell was the far better name. <laughs> but I do not know how many Ford Madison fans are also University of Wisconsin Badgers soccer fans. They're obviously in the the city of Madison a huge. You know, even though I believe she was born in Indiana or Ohio, but you know Rose Lavelle. Playing for the Badgers has a lot of fans in Madison, so Rose Cowbell wins. Um, what was what was great is that Rose Lavelle on Twitter and ends up acknowledging this whole deal, and you know talking about what a great honor it is. So you know, go to Twitter, yeah. go to Rose Lavelle's Twitter, see it. It's great. It is. It's not. A, it's not a. You know, of all the um, of all the names, it was. Uh... I liked Musala a lot myself, but you know, personally, uh, which was, which was a, not a finalist, but was, a, I think in the short list uh, that they love people to vote on the first round of voting. So yes, Rose Cowbell. Um, if you, if we're ever able to go to a soccer match again, you can, you can go see that fucking cow. So, uh, all right, MJ quickly, Minneapolis city minute, new year, new membership scarf. The members were able to vote on what scarf design they had. If you're not a member, you should still become a member because even though you can't vote on the scarf this year, you still get a membership scarf. All your home games, two flex tickets to bring friends, probably a schedule, a magnet and some stickers and a letter from Dan Hudeman. You get a really good deal for your money when you get a membership. So the new scarf has a icon of a full moon with a silhouette of a crow. And the new hashtag is city to the moon. I don't know if because of the pandemic, they're trying to get away from the hashtag go murder, but <laughs> it's just another hashtag for yeah. 2021. 
that we can have for the crows that makes it fun city to the moon uh new scarf your season ticket membership costs 80 dollars. if you are out of town you can get an out of town membership for 50 dollars, which gets you two flex tickets and then minneapolis city donates the season ticket portion to a youth organization, which is a really cool thing to do. Yeah, super cool. And if you if you think there's going to be games, uh, you know, the nice thing about the the Minneapolis City is that even if there's like you know social distancing requirements and and, and minimum requirements of you know say you can't have more than uh, you know a thousand people, there's no way that city's going to hit that right. At least right now, um, you, you're definitely going to be able to like spread out, and, and there's definitely plenty of room at uh, at Augsburg. So hopefully they'll be able to, to be able to play a season. And have uh, have fans out there. Um, so if you are, you know, if you think the Minnesota United is, might might be locking out their, you know, might locking out their players, and you want to watch some 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 soccer, some good soccer, um, consider joining Minneapolis City. I believe all three of us are members of Minneapolis City, so you could potentially run into a Dave uh, or an MJ or a Dan at uh, at a game. So all right, that's my hearty endorsement of Minneapolis City. Uh, all right, let's talk about the uh, U.S. Women's National Team. The best probably uh the best team in the north americas the 21 2021 she believes cup is coming up here at the end of the month it starts february 18th uh, and goes through february 24th there's games on that thursday sunday and wednesday uh the tournament consists this year of usa brazil canada for the first time in a while and then argentina who is replacing japan due to COVID. i had no idea about that uh, was that a recent announcement or? Yeah, that was very recent. Japan, okay. um, obviously, as your AFC correspondent, they say it's due to a COVID outbreak in Japan. I'm wondering if this is an Asian tactic of allowing both parties to save face. We don't know if I haven't looked at the numbers in Japan and how bad the outbreak is, but it also could be of like, we are not coming to the United States <laughs> with what the shit you're going on here, but we are going to be self-deprecating and say it's because of an outbreak in Japan and allow both parties to stay face. So there could be some Asian negotiation, cultural tactics going on. Either <laughs> way, fair. either way, Japan is out, Argentina is in. While I am sad because this, I mean, Japan is a better team than Argentina. There's a more historic rivalry. If you remember that year that those two years where Japan won the World Cup, versus the U.S. in the final, and then the U.S. beat Japan in the Olympics, I believe, the following year. That's gone. On the other hand, really cool for Argentina. Argentina was in the last Women's World Cup. They they, they qualified. They were one of the common bowl representatives. So yeah. super happy for And, uh, yeah, this is a, a pretty stacked U.S. roster, um, a 23-player <laughs> roster, uh, which is – this is probably this – is, this is the last big tournament before uh, – assuming the Olympics go off this year, which is, again, I think – not a hundred percent proposition, um, especially considering they're happening in Japan. Is Japan going to want all these people from around the world to come into Japan? They're the last basically big tournament before the Olympics, so a, a last opportunity. And the Olympic roster, uh, as MJ, as you, you've conveniently noted here, so only eighteen players. This is a twenty-three player roster, so five players from this roster are not going to be able to go to. And if this is not, this doesn't include some players that I believe that you guys had some com- we were having some conversation before podcast about aren't even on this roster that theoretically could be or could and or should be on this roster. So let's start talking a little bit about the roster. MJ, let's start with you. Just talking about the goalkeepers, there are only three goalkeepers um, for this roster. Alyssa Nair being the obvious first choice, Campbell being the the second choice, and Murphy being the third choice. Uh, Campbell from the Houston Dash, Murphy from North Carolina Courage. Obviously, wanting to 
take a look at, at some new faces. But to the point of how deep this roster is, or the how big the U.S. women's national team player pool is, the two goalkeepers, other than Alyssa Nair, from the last World Cup, Adriana Franch and uh, Ashlyn Harris, aren't even in this camp. And there's probably reasons, like, we know what they can do, that we they already have have proven their point. It, this is a chance to look at you. But are, you can't argue that coming into the Olympics in the She Believes Cup or in this January camp, if the other goalkeepers don't prove their weight, you know, you have a goalkeeper like Adriana French and um, Ashley Harris in your player pool. Yeah, um, I think what I mean, probably the biggest omission that I can see is is Allie Krieger. Um, Dan, like what? What's going on with that? I, you know, I don't know how much to read into any of these things, right? Like this team is so unbelievably deep. Uh, my my favorite young player, Midge Purse, didn't make this roster. Uh, like Tobin Heath is not in this roster. Obviously, she she hurt her she's ankle. Hurt. She's hurt. But, but imagine, yeah, imagine like who you who do you knock out of this roster? Even if you put Tobin Heath in, right? Like right, it's insane. Uh, Tierna Davidson made this roster uh, after having missed the last year or so with various injuries. And I was legitimately surprised. Like, I'm very pleased. I think she is part of the future of the U.S. back line. But with every player you put in, you know you're leaving out, like, a legitimately one of the top five to ten players in the world at her position. Like, it's it's an unbelievably great problem to have. But at the same time, like, I don't envy Andonovsky any of these decisions. Purse did make the roster, by the way. Oh, did she? Did I, I must have just missed her when I was. She's listed as Margaret Purse. Ah, oh, that could have been. And I also just skipped it. listed as a defender, but yeah. That's why. That's why. So he, uh, Purse, yeah. Purse and Crystal Dunn are doing the uh, we can play any position, just put us on the field thing, which, holy cow. I mean, think about how much easier that makes it for Andonovsky, knowing that having with those two on the roster. If you hit an injury patch, you're not all of a sudden having to scramble. You can put Crystal Dunn in up top and lose literally nothing, considering she's one of the best attackers in NWSL and one of the best defenders in the world. Like I, I, I will stand Crystal Dunn for forever, and I think it is almost impossible to overrate her. Yeah, she's amazing at her versatility and what she can do. Yeah. All right. Um, well, MJ, you you have a couple questions for for the for us for the. The cup. So why don't you take us take us away? So in the midfield, because the back the starting back lines set and the starting goalkeepers. And if you don't know those things, uh, you know just go out to the interwebs and you'll figure that out or DM me. But the midfield, assuming we play a four three three, the defensive midfield is obviously locked down by Julie Ertz. Who flanks her as the right mid and the left mid? Considering our choices would be Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, Sam Mewis, Chrissy Mewis. Who who you you can only have two of them. <laughs> and, that's a, it's a good, it's a good problem to have. Obviously, I, I would say Lindsay Horan and and Rose Lavelle, but I'm, I, you know, I guess I may be more like recency bias with that. Um, with Lavelle and and, and well, Horan, I think maybe Horan's maybe my. I'm being a little more nostalgic with that with that pick. I think I think maybe actually it's Lavelle and Sam Mewis, but that's that's me. I I think Horan is actually. I, Ertz is a fixture in the roster, don't get me wrong. But if I'm starting with who is the least movable, I think it's actually Lindsay Horan and Julie Ertz goes into the other four of, hey, you know, pick two out of these four. Um, but to me, it, it's Horan. And I'm going to say Sam Mewis with Lavelle coming in in the second half to, to run at defenders and, and catch some tired legs. Um, and nothing against Chrissy Mewis, who I really like and who's playing 
really well. It's just a problem of who do you who do you take out of this starting lineup to put her in? And she has shown the ability to come off the bench and be really focused, really into the game really quickly. And that's a skill. Uh, we haven't yeah. necessarily seen that from Ertz or Horan because they, they flat out haven't had to. I completely agree with Dan. I, I start Horan and assuming Sam, Sam Lewis, who they say is getting healthy from her injury, ankle injury at the last, in the last Columbia friendly, I start Sam Lewis and I start, I start Lindsay Horan. And I do like both Rose Lavelle and Christy Lewis coming up. But I do think, it, I do think that's a hard decision. It sounds like we all agree. I don't, I just don't think Sam Lewis is hundred uh, percent healthy. So <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Uh, MJ, your second question. Looking at the front three now, who are your starting left wing, center forward, and right wing? New newcomer uh, Brazilian Katarina uh, Macario is American Katarina Macario. MJ, American Katarina <laughs> Macario. She's American now. Brazilian born, uh, tied now to the U.S. Women's National Team. Thank goodness. Brazilian American Katarina Macario. Get it right, buddy. <laughs> Brazilian American uh, Katarina Macario is listed as a midfielder. For whatever reason, but we know she, she I mean, where uh, Andronovsky has played her is center forward. So I'm including her in this attack in front three. You have Lloyd, Morgan, Press, Rapino, Sophie Smith, Lynn Williams, and Macario. Who, who are your front three? As, like, so let's, let's give a little context. Tomorrow? Or at the Olympics? No, no. As the She Believes Cup. So like, up, so, like, tomorrow, if I needed to win a game yeah, with this roster. Starting, starting front three. And I know who mine are, so. You want me to start? Please, yeah. I, press is my left wing, and and I I start Alex Morgan, and as they say she's getting better from COVID or has already recovered and has been quarantined. So, you start, you start Press, Morgan at center forward and Lynn Williams at, at right wing. Ah, uh, okay. I, yeah, I think it's, I don't know, man. I don't know. I think the press Rapino question is maybe the hardest, but there, there are other questions here. I think Boyd, I think, Macario. Yeah. I, I think Macario, I mean, right now, tomorrow, if I needed, if I needed to go out and, and win a game with uh, a U.S. women's national team, I think Macario's in my roster or she's in my, she's in my starting, starting 11. I like it. I like it. I think Kristen Press is as well. And man, you know, it's hard to, Megan Rapino just continues to do shit well. So it's hard to, it's hard to, to argue against those three, especially since I'm, you know, we don't, we're not 100% sure on, on where Morgan's, where her fitness is and all that. So, you know, or, and Lynn Williams is, is fucking great too. So, I mean, I think, I think for me, it's between the four of Press Rapino, Williams, and Macario um, in whatever combination makes the most sense. So that would be my kind of semi-cop-out answer. So, And that, that's mostly where I land as well. Um, for me, Rapino, Rapino needs to prove that she's she shouldn't be in this roster. I mean, you can say that, well, she's getting up in age. Maybe there's other people who have usurped her. But every time she's on the field, she's dictating the offense. She's making the incredible pass. At no point do you look at her and go, well, yeah, yeah, I'm thinking the game's maybe a step beyond you. She's still leading the game. I don't know how you yeah. can leave her out of the starting roster. And like, that's incredible. We should, we should reflect on just how unbelievable it is that at her age with how good the competition are for, is for spots on this roster, 
she is still probably the first name you put in the team sheet. Yeah. Like that's, that's incredible at this stage of her career. So she is my, my one. I agree that you don't risk Morgan. I could see really ramping up her minutes during this tournament, but I don't think I would start her um, just until you kind of see where her fitness is at. She didn't get a ton of time with Tottenham, which means that she's pretty removed from serious game time. So I, I, I ramp her up, but don't start her. Um, I want to see what Mercario can do. So that's, so my three are Rapino press and Mercario, but I will offer this caveat. I, I consistently underrate Lynn Williams and I'm not entirely sure why, because I feel like I've watched her game closely and she performs consistently, but there's so many times where I'm like, ah, like I like make a different pass or, or shoot a little earlier. So I will, I will say I probably underrate Lynn Williams. I think she absolutely could be in the starter or it could be the right wing starter. I just want to see what Mercario is offering there. Law in both of your plans is that although you could move press to the right wing and play her instead of Lynn Williams, and she would do fine, is that naturally both Press and Rapino are, are left wing left wingers. They both like to uh, come in from the left and then shoot with their right foot or, or, or pass with their right foot. And so to me, I go back to the Women's World Cup. Now, granted, England is not in this version of the She Believes Cup. They've definitely participated in She Believes Cups in the past. But like Lucy Bronze owned Megan Rapino. And we won that game because we substituted Kristen Press. And she was able to maneuver and get space from Lucy Bronze in ways that Megan Rapino was not. It's nothing to take away from Megan Rapino's like ageless wonder that Dan was so uh, you know lavishly giving her praise. She is worth all of it. I think for this tournament, who you start, I think Press is in that spot over over Rapino. MJ, you have Rapino coming off the bench. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and remind you. You we said who starts in the She Believes Cup. Like if you want to win tomorrow, not who plays in a hypothetical game against England and Lucy Bronze in some hypothetical world. So yeah, no, this is a She Cup question. By your caveats, we're 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 playing we're playing by your rules, buddy, and you're you're changing the rules on us. So I'm not um, changing rules. I'm explaining why I want these best players out. I understand. I I understand. Uh, All right. Let's uh let's move on. Um, I just want I threw in for our Europe section. Uh, just Horncamp guys. We <laughs> we knew about this guy a while ago. He scored three fucking goals. Um, for FC Den Bosch in uh, the uh, uh, Eredivisie. Uh, or no, not the Eredivisie. Uh, the Belgian Super League, right? Or is FC Den Bosch in the? He's he's a uh, he's Dutch. Oh, it's in the Eredivisie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I joked that we became uh, the Dave's I know became the uh, biggest FC Den Bosch fans in the U.S. over the weekend. So um, just you know, come on MLS, get on, get on Jizz Horncamp. <laughs> well, if we're Jeez. if we're the biggest uh, Jizz Horncamp fans in the U.S., you should probably get the right the number of goals he scored correct because he did not score three goals. He scored, he scored four. four. Right, sorry, he scored four Shit. goals. Yes, he scored four goals. Yes, yeah, you're right, you're right. Uh, I just want to I need to figure out how to get an FC Den Bosch kit that just says jizz on the back because my god man you fucking I know. It, uh, it is it is a very dave i know name what's yeah. the worst that could happen uh all right i will briefly 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 touch on the world cup or the club world cup it starts well started officially technically was it yesterday or today when a team um withdrew back in january uh because of uh pandemic concerns the quarterfinals <clears throat> Start on Thursday uh, with semifinals 
uh, starting on Sunday and the final is going to take place next uh, Thursday. So let's talk maybe on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about what the final will look like because we'll actually know um, who the, who the semifinal comp competitors were and, and who the winners were. So um, there's a Palmeiras is the big one as well as Bayern Munich. Uh, Palmeiras won. They're not playing Thursday, David. What's that? They're not playing Thursday. They're not because they're, they're in the semifinals already because of the weird club world cup thing. Uh, Tigris is the, uh, CONCACAF Champions League uh, competitor since they won the CONCACAF Champions League a, what, a little bit ago. Do you want to say anything about Ilsan Hyundai, MJ? I know that's probably why you threw this in here. So, Yeah, so the, the, the Koreans won the AFC Champions League. Their star striker, uh, Brazilian uh, Junior Negrao, is not on the team anymore. So they're going into the, the World Cup without their star striker. I don't know who's next on the depth chart, but they will miss him. They, they will miss him. Uh, obviously, I give Tigres a slight edge over Ulzana, but that I think that is going to be a really fun game to watch. And then um, at 11.30 a.m., uh, I'll do Ha'il, the Qatar Stars League, since Qatar is the host. Uh, that Qatar champion will play uh, Al-Ali from Egypt in, in who won the African Champions League. And so 8 a.m., 11.30 a.m., Fox Sports 2 or Fox Deportes. Yeah, so in that Tigris, Ulsan uh, Hyundai winner will play actually Palmeiras. And that, whoever wins that game, you know, has a, I think has a, has a decent shot against uh, Palmeiras, uh, who won Copa Libertadores last weekend. And then, um, yeah, whoever wins that second game is going to get curb stomped by Bayern Munich uh, on Monday. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, then we'll talk about whoever's going to be playing, probably Bayern and uh, uh, Palmeiras uh, on uh, Thursday the 11th. A brief pop quiz of all these teams that qualified for the Club World Cup, which team has played in the most of them? Has, has, has qualified and played in the most World Club World Cup? Almost certainly all Ali. Probably, yeah. Auckland City. Auckland City from OFC, New Zealand champion, has been in 10 Club World Cups. Wow. Well, they technically didn't play in this one because they forfeited. So, Bayern um. <laughs> like, Munich has only been in two. You're, yeah, your point's saying, because yeah, the Club World Cup really didn't start until what about 15 years ago, something yeah. like that. So, take that Bayern Munich. We've only been in two yeah. of Um, Dan, will you, we, so can we, we're just going to quickly jump back to just Hornkamp and then we'll, we'll jump into the, uh, the answer section. Will you read <laughs> the text that you just sent myself and, uh, and MJ? Absolutely not. It's an excerpt from Wikipedia and I'm not reading it. All right. I'll read it. Uh, on January. So this is yeah. From Wikipedia on January 30th, 2021, Jizz exploded in the final third of the game and busted in four goals in 34 minutes, ruining a clean sheet and resulting in a four, four draw against SPV Exhaustion. All of them were assisted by Norwegian schemer, Johnny Hansen. The event caused Jizz to end to erupt all over Twitter. Which is true because all of a sudden, like I saw like celebrities, like comedians who were like, finally, Jizz is trending on Twitter. Like Scott, <laughs> like Scott Ackerman and fucking Michael, Neil, Michael Ian Black, like literally within like seconds of each other tweeted like they just a screen grab of Jizz uh, uh, trending on Twitter in the US. And they and they like just made jokes about it. I'm like, yes, my worlds are finally fucking colliding. Comedy, <laughs> soccer. Uh, not just the Cooligans, like actual like other comedians who have no fucking idea what soccer is. So it was it was fantastic. So uh, all right, guys, let's uh, let's jump in. We have two questions. Um, they're very very awesome. Um, I think so. 
Uh, Andy Schwartz, our friend, uh, the Cribs uh, on Twitter asks, I'm trying to get into Liga Emekis. Which team should I embrace like a child of my own? And which one should I give the old stiff arm? I think also like a child. So I'm guessing uh, the Cribs uh, has one child he really embraces and one child he gives the old stiff arm. Uh, I want to say, I'll start off. I think, is it Chivas? Is it Chivas? Guadalajara that is like the only, like only Mexicans on their team. Is that the, I think, I think that's right. The, I think they're the team that's, that's right. like only, they only have Mexicans. They refuse to have any, any non-Mexican players on their team. Don't embrace those guys. Fuck, fuck those guys. Like, embrace multiculturalism and uh, and all that like i understand the reasoning behind that and all that but like literally it's soccer is the fucking world's game it's a global game embrace globalism so fuck those guys um in terms of uh teams that you should get into uh I, you know andy i actually was asking myself this very same question my my beloved morelia um which i had a, <laughs> had a jersey from that i found at a goodwill for uh like three years uh they up and left they went became mazalan fc they did definitely became mazalan fc and uh, so I was like, I was kind of a free agent myself. My wife, uh, I don't know if you guys, you guys can see it on the, uh, on the Zoom. It's a really great audio thing. But my beloved wife got me a Club Leon jersey. So I'm a, actually a Club Leon fan now because, um, you know, Miguel Ibarra, Cody Cropper. And Cody Cropper. No, William Yarborough. Yarborough, my bad. Yeah, Wrong. William Yarborough. We're really bad at... Uh, Liga Mekis soccer tonight. So, so yeah, I would guess say, you know what, Andy, here's the thing, man. You can watch a lot of uh, Liga Mekis soccer in the U S um, you can watch some of it actually over the air on Univision and stuff. So find a team that you can watch um, on whatever cable channels that you have and uh, you know, pick one or two and just sort of watch them for a little while and see what, uh, what fits your fancy and, and just not cheat us, I guess is the big thing. And Club America is like kind of like the the man city of uh, of Liga Mekis team. So I would maybe lean away from Club America, but we have, I have a you know Adam uh, uh, um, Jarvis as a big Club America fan, and I like him, so can't really um, you know fault Club America too much. But so yeah, yeah, that would be my I, guess. Club America was the the one I was going to say don't follow. I mean, thank in, you. In in much the same way that like, hey, if you were going to try to get into baseball, I guess you could follow the Yankees, but just don't do do better than that uh but uh i'm gonna i'm gonna take a little bit of a cop out here and say whoever has an animal mascot you should definitely follow uh pumas not a great start to the season generally a fun club to watch but i gotta be honest with you guys leon buddy tiger leon is solid um i've been watching a bunch of sholos games and they're fun they're yeah. a fun team to watch. Uh, Mario, Mario, Mario Minotas is playing down there, playing really, really well for them. Uh, I'm, I'm digging it. They're, they're a fun team to watch. So those, those are my two. Anyone but Club America, privileging and privileging uh, animal mascots. MJ, do you have any, any thoughts on League Mekis? I think he should cheer for uh, Tigres. They are, they won the Concacaf Champions League against LAFC. What's not to like about that? They are playing Usan Hyundai this Thursday. So you, the Cribs, you and I can trash talk about actually something that's meaningful if you become a <laughs> T-Rage fan. Um, I'm an FC Soul fan, so I normally hate Usan Hyundai, but in the Club World Cup, they're the only Korean team there, so I'm cheering for them. Like, you and I can have a, our, our little trash talk battle on Twitter for the Club World Cup, T-Rage versus Usan Hyundai. What's not to like about that? And my normal Liga MX team is... Cruz Azul. So yeah, fuck Club America. <laughs> uh, 
All right. So are you another fun uh, team question? Uh, Christian, our, our good friend over at Hop Clouds asks, um, if you had to pick one team from either the EPL or Bundesliga to join MLS for a year, which team would it be and why? Uh, MJ, you, you have a very definitive answer here. I, I want to <laughs> know why you picked this particular. So tell us your team and tell us why. So the team I picked to come to MLS is West Brom Albion. And why? Because we need to make Big Sam to MLS a reality. <laughs> so you're, you're taking one for the team here um, in terms of getting Big Sam some MLS experience. and, and Yeah, it needs to happen. One way or another, it needs to happen. If he is not willing to come to an MLS squad, we move his squad to MLS. You know what? I had an answer to this question, and I think it's it's just not as good as that. <laughs> that's what? Well, so that's the best possible one. Okay, g- given the caveat that MJ had the best answer, what what would your answer otherwise be? Uh, my answer was going to be dormant, uh, because I want a club that excels at both the academy model and the first team model to sort of show MLS what it looks like to be really, really good. <laughs> that's, that's perfect. That's great. That's a, that's a really good answer. Yeah. I, you know, I, I, I don't know. Um, let's just say man city because that's where Messi's going to be playing next year. And I like to watch uh, Leo Messi play soccer in the U S at some point in my life. So let's go man city. And also it would get them the fuck out of the EPL. So uh, <laughs> good for Liverpool. But only so, briefly. Only briefly. Well, Does you know, your wife listen to this podcast. Uh, yes, she does actually. She's she okay. might be the yes. She she absolutely listens to this podcast. So uh, um, well, yeah, we'll have to deal with her on that because yeah, that means New York City FC would have to get relegated to USL championships. So. Oh no, or or just contracted. Yeah, we could <laughs> just get rid of them entirely, or we just, or we swap them. So New York City FC has to go play. And uh, get scored again, and Jack Harrison can like score like eight goals on him, yeah, with leads. So I don't know. I think everybody wins. I think we all have decent answers. MJ, you had definitely had the best answer in getting uh, Big Sam to uh, to MOS. So, but uh, all right. Well, everybody, hey guys, thanks. Uh, I think this went a little longer than we thought it would, but you know, we're all, we're having fun. So uh, please rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, especially on Apple, uh, Dave's I know.com patreon.com slash Dave's I know at TDAKM on Twitter. I'm at Texas Zeller Dan's at D Wade and MJ is at MJ Matsui. Thank you guys so much. It's been a, a pleasure. Uh, we've been the Dave, you know, this is the Dave. We to try and work it out. Cause we both know we can't do nothing at all. Long as you do yours, land here become feet, con. Yeah, uh, we, we do yeah. our thing, son. Who the act we attract to, hope to reach one. Uh, we, yeah. we, we do our thing, do it. Do it. We do our thing, son. Some will paint a piece, some will spray with a machine gun. It's mad work to be done. We, we, we do our thing, son. Y'all, 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 y'all,